Welcome, everyone. Uh, well, we named this podcast maybe next year for a reason, and that's this week. Uh, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, this is as long as it's ever taken. But uh, it, the, you know, the the toll bells for uh, the, the the toll bells for us. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'm having internet troubles, America, and. Uh, Apparently my my brain Wi-Fi is also down because the bell also told for the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday when they played the defending Super Bowl champions who uh, will repeat their they will return to the Super. Uh oh, did we lose Frank again, Scott? We may have lost him. Oh oh oh, good. Paul's back. Okay. I'm back. I, All right. You know, okay. we thought you were gone. Yeah, oh, we're right. off to okay. a rollicking start. Well, I'll tell you who's gone is the Buffalo Bills. They're done. Okay. <laughs> it's over. They lost 38 to 24. I was getting around to saying, I think that's probably a fair score. I think that, you know, um, I, exposed is the wrong word. I think you can sound really harsh when you're talking about this football team. And I don't think harsh is what's called for. I think a sober acceptance that, the Kansas City Chiefs are an excellent football team, and the Buffalo Bills are probably a really great football team. And the the, the full difference was on display between really great and excellent um, this past week. I, uh, I I will turn to Scott, who seems to have the most stable internet connection amongst all of us at the <laughs> at the moment. Uh, Scott, why don't you give us just your thoughts on the football game? Um, you know, it's the last game of the year. Feel free to dwell here for a bit. I don't I don't even know. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to uh, like some of the fourth down stuff. I think that that's there's going to be plenty of discussion on that. But I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that yeah, in, in terms of in general, I mean, I think it's tough to say that the it's frustrating because I feel like offensively the Bills had the talent in some ways to keep up with this team, but the scheme and the the defense that Kansas City was able to throw against us was far more effective in slowing us down than comparably our defense was able to do to them. And I think given how much weight we had put in the defense in terms of the the money that has been spent on this team, um, you know, we, we I was discussing it with the guys on the game as we were watching, you know, the, the $100 million defensive line, but then you add in, you know, the Tremaine Edmonds first-round pick, Tredavious White first-round pick, um, you know, guys you know who he'd invested many in and you know, the vast majority of the cap spending is on the defense and then to have them not even not even gesture at slowing kansas city down was was disappointing especially after arguably their best performance of the season against an admittedly completely different offense um in baltimore mm-hmm. so you know i, I can't i can't in some ways, I can't put too much on the defense because in some ways, Kansas City is obviously a finely tuned offensive machine. They did to us what they did to pretty much every other team that they played this season, with maybe the exception of the Las Vegas Raiders, which I actually got right for once. Hey. Um, but uh, but the, 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 that, that was disappointing. And then the offense, you know, some of it's on Kansas City for coming up with the good scheme. You know, we sent around the 538 article. Um, that they did about Kansas City kind of deploying a, a 4-1-6 uh, kind of dime package that that really gave Josh Allen, I think, a lot of troubles in terms of him not being able to read it correctly. But also not just him, but the offensive line clearly having just much like the first Kansas City game, a complete travesty of not being able to open holes in the run game, not being able to pass protect on a consistent basis. Um, you know, Allen still had time to throw on some things, but he never seemed confident in knowing where the pressure was going. There are a lot of checks. Um, almost every time he was going up and checking, he didn't seem confident. Um, he might have gotten a little bit nerves um, at, at various points in the game, which is understandable because it's a fucking AFC championship game. And you win this game, you're going to the Super Bowl. You're playing the Super Bowl champions to take their to take their crown from them, basically. Mm-hmm. And um that's that's a heavy that's a heavy thing and and mcdermott said it afterwards and you know they're they're the chiefs are on year eight we're on your year three or year four or whatever which is you know i'll, I'll buy that a little bit I, i'd say on some level you never really get to that um you know eight years is is unique but um it's just a uh 
you know, it's it's a tough loss, um, but I, I'm still overall encouraged by by the season, I guess. And, and we'll we'll talk about that, you know, either later on or on another day. Yeah, in yeah. full agreement, really, with with both of you. I think I went into this game. I think we all went into this game with a little more optimism in the sense that we had watched Kansas City's recent performances. We'd seen a lot of them this year just by virtue of them being on national television. We'd seen how the Bills really turned it on after the bye week, really on both sides of the ball, survived two battles in playoff games where, you know, units we didn't expect to step up, stepped up, guys like Teron Johnson making big plays. So I think we all felt they were a little bit further along in the process than they actually are. And I agree with with Frank wholeheartedly. They are a really great team, the Buffalo Bills. They are, to me, inarguably the second best team in the American Football Conference. I, I don't think there's anyone who is, you know, better than them except for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was fully on display. The Chiefs, they, Scott mentioned the 538 article about their, their great force safety alignment that slowed down the Bills. He, went, he talked about the inability to start a running game and to you know, run protect or, or, and to pass protect as well. Just really every weakness the Bills had was exploited by Kansas City this game. Kansas City brought their A game. I would say Buffalo was somewhere around a C game at this point. And that was, I think if Buffalo brings their A game, it's just a closer Kansas City victory. I think Kansas City is just the better team further along at this point in time. And you tip your cat to them. So, you know, on the, on the micro level of the game, yes, Josh could have played a lot better. He made some bad decisions. The offensive line in front of him could have played much, much better. The running backs could have played better. TJ Yeldon should not be getting the majority of touches in the backfield between the receiving and rushing game, but that's where we're at with some of the lost, potential lost confidence in Devin Singletary. You know, receivers didn't have quite the, the games we'd, we'd hope they did. If Scott mentioned the fourth down calls, I'm sure we'll you know discuss those more. I agreed with the decision to kick the first one. I wholeheartedly disagreed with the decision to kick the second one. And then, yeah, Scott mentioned defense really, you know, I shouldn't say exposed this game, but they really didn't come up with what I would call a stop every game. They they forced the Chiefs to punt once on their very first drive, and that was less of a forcing the Chiefs to punt than Tyreek Hill dropped what easily would have been a 35-yard catch that was right in his hands when he was wide open. They got points on every other drive except their kneel-down drives at the end of the half and the end of the game, and the the defense had... No answers for the pass. Uh, they did better against the run, but what did it matter? So this was was all around, you know, Kansas City is is there. They are the best in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills are not, but some some really great signs for the future. And we'll look forward to, you know, trying to build on where some of the weak areas were, retain some of the good players and see what we can do in the draft and free agency. Yeah, I think that I would be more upset about this game if it was closer if they had let something get away from them that I think uh, was close, but in a weird way, because they brought their C game or, you know, Kansas city pushed them into their C game. I think, yeah. I think it's fair like point out that like Kansas city had a great plan and, and Buffalo, you know, for really for the first time, didn't adjust the right way um, that I was like, okay, well, it's pretty clear that like there's still work to be done. And to me, like, I was just ready to, I mean, it's obviously disappointing, but I will say for the first time since we've done this podcast, guys, like the season's over and I'm mad that there's not another Bills game. <laughs> Maybe last year I felt like that. I'm not exactly sure, but it's for the, it's, it's the first time that I'm like, damn it. I want there to be a game in three days because I want to, I'm excited to watch them again. And I don't think I even felt that last year the same way last year, by the end, it was exciting the chase, but like this, this, you know, the only thing that's going to make them better, I think, is repetition. I think that they just like, you know, something got thrown at them and they weren't able to keep up and they're going to have to. Most of what will make them better, not all, obviously, will be repetition. Just to highlight some of the numbers. Uh, oh, and, and Paul, I want to clarify mm -hmm. you with the field goals, the ones that you want to contest. You don't mean the actual first field goal of the game. You mean the first one, meaning the first contested one at the end of the half. Yes, my apologies. And the one the, at the end of the half then, was good for three. And then yeah, the one in the I, I, yeah. yeah, I've had to do that. Well, and, and there are some people who, like, you shouldn't have even kicked 
the, the one to start the game, but I don't know. Like, I, I think there's a, we'll get to that fourth down stuff, but I wanted to, I wanted to clarify that, but I think a lot of it comes down to, um, Allen, 287 yards passings, two touchdowns, his first red zone interception of his career, you know, 80.8 quarterback rating. That's, you know, that's a good Tyrod Taylor day or maybe <laughs> a good, it's a good, uh, maybe it's actually not cause he wouldn't throw the pick. Um, but, you know, Allen adds another 88 yards of rushing. So in one way, he is all of the offense. And in the other way, like, that's that's just not enough this week. You know, he also wasn't enough of the offense in some strange ways, which we could maybe get to. You know, maybe I'll start that off. Uh, Cole Beasley, seven catches for 88 yards and a broken fucking fibula, <laughs> um, which he's been playing with for about a month. His BFF. His yeah, right. Fibula. Broken fucking fibula. Uh, dig six catches for 77 yards, which... I mean, how long is that a great day from a, a Bills receiver? Uh, great up until it's, Lightest you know, the six catches for 77 yards you'll ever see. You'll ever see. And he was like mad and frustrated and and, you know, watching the, you know, God, if I could have like if I didn't fall in love with Stefan Diggs this year, I, I don't know what this season was about because I just like everything he's done. I've loved him. And they absolutely had a game plan for him. Um, the other side of the football is obviously where all the probably all the stars are coming from. You know, Mahomes, 325 yards, three touchdowns. He took one sack. Allen takes four sacks. Like, at least two of them are hero ball. And, yeah, never, lost, never say die sacks. Yeah, lost yeah. 53 yards on those sacks. You right. know, that, that hurts. Right. Didn't lose the football, except for when he <laughs> threw it away, at least. You know, um, and then, you know, the uh, Tariq Hill, 172 of those yards re- receiving, and Travis Kelsey, another 118. That is, that is... Just, that's 290 of Patrick Mahomes' 325 yards went to two receivers, was Hill and Kelsey. And I don't think the Bills were caught unawares of Kelsey and Hill. I think there was just literally nothing you could do to stop them. I and the, I believe the 538 chat said um, the Bills didn't know how to stop uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, so they made the bold decision to choose to stop neither. Right. <laughs> Uh, I think that's fair. I, I don't know. I think that they certainly had a. I think they certainly had a belief that their health would help them as compared to the first game, and that they would be able to get to and pressure Mahomes, and it didn't work. And I mean, just like God help you on a good day trying to stop Travis Kelsey. Like Tariq Hill has his days, I think. But like when you look at Travis Kelsey's game log, and I'm not going to read it all now, but like he he just doesn't have a bad day. He's just like constantly eight yards, a hundred ish, sorry, eight catches, a hundred ish yards. And, you know, between, you know, one and two touchdowns, he's just like, and that's like a day in day out for him. He's an absolute freak, which is to say nothing of Travis Kelsey, who, who has absurd speed and, and, and skill. And so, you know, they, they had an excellent offense. And then I didn't get to read the 538 article yet, but, um, Obviously, they had enough players on defense um, to, to make make things happen. They, they they had a very good game plan, and I think yes, that is the most surprising part is that as Scott said, the talented Bills offense wasn't able to sort of of keep up with them. Let's talk a bit about that offense because I think despite some of the the shortcomings, I think that there was a real um, tightening up of the Bills. Offense, and I was saying this in the game to the guys before the third down call, the 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 um sorry the fourth down calls. You could see in Allen as as Scott started off with, um, you know he lots of checkdowns and lots of changing the play, but worse, it was a lot of open like they had made such a big deal in the last couple of months talking about how he had changed his throwing mechanics, and you could see like okay his hips are open and and he's not getting his he wasn't doing his little jump step to make the throws, and he he was, you know, really sort of throwing poorly. And I think the one moment that you really could have turned the game around, you're down 9-7, and he, he floats one. He floats it a little, but, like, it's squarely in Devin Singletary's hands, and he, Devin Singletary has nothing but green in front of him for at least 20-something yards. Um, and I think if you wanted to get the offense on track – that's the kind of play that maybe that happens with and Singletary drops it, you know, it's just, so I I don't want to put it all on Allen, but um, there were times like the other thing is like, you do have these fourth and short situations 
and I'm with Paul. At least I'm with Paul with regards to the kick before the end of the half in that it's not like a laughably bad decision. That, you know, your, your team has struggled all half. You obviously are going to have to regroup no matter what. At this point, you're down two scores to Kansas City. So even though you, you, you quote unquote, aren't going to, you're going to have to like score to keep up with them. You're still going to have to find a way to stop them at some point because you're already down two scores. You can't double score. <laughs> you know, like you're going to have to stop them at some point. And so to me, kicking the field goal there, and and I was really happy to hear McDermott explain it this way and get some points and go back to the half and regroup. Like that's understandable to me. That is a point where you can look at the, the math and say, yes, I understand the percentages of converting it. But right now I feel like I just got to get points and get everybody into the locker room and slap them around a little. I am also 100% with Paul. And surprisingly, I think Scott, you know, Scott, there you go. I called him Scott McDermott. Um, <laughs> Sean McDermott. It, I, I, so he came back. Well, it, it's funny because a lot of people had said, you know, he had turtled and turned back into the McDermott of old. And I, and I think I'll get Paul's thoughts on that first as I finish this point. Um, I don't know that he turned into the McDermott of old necessarily. Like, I don't think all of a sudden, like, the magic's off. But I think, yeah, he absolutely was panicking in that second half and made the wrong decision. And I think even in his – I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a coach say, yeah, that's one of the plays I'm going to have to go back and think about, you know, like because I'm not sure that I may I, – that's probably one I want back. And I think that's kind of remarkable for a coach to say that. Um, but maybe I'm overselling it. Um, I, I don't – I certainly don't think – I do agree uh, with, with uh, Bills and Beers that, like, um, sorry, what I had said on Twitter, and then I'll leave it alone, is that, you know, we can quibble over these fourth down calls because I think it's an easy armchair thing to do. And there's like easy and it's a great easy way to be like, yeah, the stats back me up and not really have to know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, and and it, that's all fine. and We can do that. But it's also, as we established already, it's not why they lost the game. They didn't lose the game because they didn't go for a couple of fourth downs. They lost the game because Kansas City's a class ahead of them. And now I'm going to shut up and turn it over to Paul. And then we'll finish with Scott, who can uh, give his thoughts and launch us directly into three stars. Yeah, I, I also, with everyone saying McDermott turtled, I think what McDermott did is make a bad decision, which is going to happen sometimes throughout the course of coaching. And the real the reason I think the a decision at the end of the first half to go for the field goes the right decision is because part of it, I should say, is because I wasn't really hyper-confident their chances to score. They had first and goal at the eight. They get a Yeldon four-yard run and then an incompletion. And then you're looking at third and goal from the four. And what do you do? A dump off pass to Dawson Knox, who gets two. And the team had been terrible on third down all game, uh, really all playoffs, and were terrible on Sunday. And also, they I, in short yardage situations, generally, they have not been very good in recent weeks. And they're looking at I I would have I would put 50 50 odds that they get stopped in that situation, if not higher than 50 50, that they get stopped. And you, you need some points. And I'm good with that. Second half. Yeah, fully, fully agree. Kansas City comes out, they kick a field goal on their first drive. OK, at least you're not any further behind based on what happened at the end of the first half. And then you mount this big drive. You get down to Kansas City's, uh, you know, eight-yard line. You're, you're faced with a, a fourth and three from there. You've got a little more field to work with than you do from the two-yard line. You don't have to get a touchdown here. And you kick a field goal that puts you uh, down, you know, what, 24 to 15. So you're still down two scores. That was that was a, a bad decision. But, it, again, in the, in the, the macro picture, you know, and, and Frank alluded to some of the things Josh didn't play very well. There was a third and three play where replay showed he could have just run up the middle if he wanted to. He could have, you know, sc- you know, stayed in the pocket and, and John Brown had been breaking open. Instead, he got, I should say, he got falsely hurried. There was going to be pressure coming, but he reacted a little more quickly than he needed to to the pressure and rolled out and threw a ball to Stephon Diggs, who was probably quintuple covered at that point, and the ball flowed out of the end zone harmlessly. So it re, you know, I think everyone just did not play, and and I won't you know drive his point of the ground any further. But 
I don't think the game plans on offense or defense were particularly inspiring. I don't think McDermott's game to imagine was particularly inspiring. And when there were plays to be had on offense and defense, which there were, those plays were not made. I think it was uh, Joe Biscali in his athletic, Comfort the Athletic, he always gives a, a game MVP and a game LVP, least valuable player. And so the MVPs, he gave a co-MVP to uh, Taiwan Jones and Sarah Neal for their great special teams work all game. And he gave the least valuable player to everyone not named Saran Neal or Taiwan Jones. And I, I feel that was how that game went. No one really stepped up. Trey was victimized all day, giving the huge padding to Tyreek because he was afraid Tyreek was going to beat him deep, which is a legitimate fear. There, you know, I'm not saying it's not. There was, you know, Kelsey open underneath constantly. And when Kelsey catches a 12 yards head of line of scrimmage, it's probably going to be about an 18-yard catch by the time he's done bowling his way forward. And that's one-fifth of the field or more he's covered, depending on where the, the drive is started at. And so, yeah, I think ultimately what the coach, the good thing is, if the Bills were a veteran team, if this were like that last shot and they need to start over, I would feel a little more disconcerted about this game. But this is a young team. I trust the players who are in this game are going to continue to develop and learn. I trust those who are going to be assessed to be not good enough, not part of the future, can be replaced by players who who are part of the future. I think the coaches will learn what went wrong with their game plans. I think McDermott certainly will, you know, make you know, better game day decisions generally, who is excellent this year, but it's different making good game day decisions in the AFC title game than it is, you know, on a random Sunday in October. So I think he will learn from that as well. And, you know, all in all, I, it's it's the way the season was was going to end. The one other thing I wanted to mention is Frank talked about not being disappointed when they uh, the season ended last year. And I would largely agree with that because I was disappointed that they lost to the Texans and that I really felt like it was the year we would finally win that playoff game. But I think we would have just been creamed by Kansas City in the next round. I, I think that's how it would have ended. Whereas I think this season we all felt like this could be this could be it. This could be the 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 season where we got to refigure out our brand and you know decide what we're doing going forward. But the Chiefs are there and the, the Bills are not. They they had a, a hell of a season. They they didn't play a great game, but the better team won. And you know on to twenty twenty one. Yeah, no, I I don't have too much to add on the fourth downs. I think you guys hit it. I think yeah, that's as that's as close as you'll ever hear a head coach of an NFL football team get to admit that he was wrong on something. Because I don't think that they're designed to say those words, but yeah, the, the, <laughs> it's the not words in their are, programming. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not McDermott, who is, is buttoned down and 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 media kind of uh, media conservative as, as anybody that I think I've ever seen um, in front of the camera. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and I, I think yeah, there was a lot of blame to go around, which is yes, why you won't be seeing many honorable mentions or stars on the bill's side of the equation tonight um you know yeah i mean it's the the special teams had a nice play johnny on the spot getting michael hardman's fumble um yeah taiwan jones and Saran neal did that um other than that it's hard to say how you could i mean beasley gutting it out i guess i'll give him an honorable mention to get the seven catches for 88 yards um hopefully um if you're Josh Allen, maybe start looking at him in the first half. That was something that definitely came up that we were frustrated by. It seems like it always takes about a half of the offense sometimes being stuck in first gear to realize that Beasley's frequently open on a lot of these <laughs> plays, but that Allen doesn't look to him. He'll just go, he'll default to whoever the primary is, whether it's Knox or whoever the Brown, whoever the play is called for, and then he'll go to Diggs and then he'll run and he'll forget that Beasley is almost always open. Um, frustrating. Yep. So, oh, I did. The, I did want to mention quickly. Sorry to yeah. jump in, but this special teams point you brought up, and Frank said earlier, defense couldn't really steal possessions. Who was a special team for stealing two possessions? You know, picking up a recovered fumble at the two to lead to a score, yeah. and then getting an Any onside kick. kick. So they stole two possessions from that game, which shows to show you how much better Kansas City is. That it didn't even get close to mattering. I'll shut up. Yeah, no, and and that's the other thing about that fourth down is is yeah, like. Those fourth downs, even if you got touchdowns on both of those, that just puts Kansas City into a mode where they have to try and beat you for the full four quarters. Kansas City was coasting by the fourth quarter. So 
let's yeah let's be realistic about how this game would have gone it's entirely possible the bills would have hung in it until the fourth quarter if they get touchdowns on both those drives and that's if as paul pointed out we'd have trouble on third and short and fourth and short all night but even if we had gotten them both that just means that you get to go four rounds with godzilla instead of <laughs> three right? you don't doesn't mean you're doesn't mean you're guaranteeing a win at that point um we'll see how it is next year anyway the the three stars um, do come from the the Kansas City chefs. Um, third star goes to uh, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. Uh, Leslie Frazier got one last week. Obviously, I think you, you have to give it to Spagnolo here. Again, only giving up um, you know 16 points to the league's second ranked offense in yeah. three quarters is is a pretty good day at the office. Um, as he's done, and again, an expert in doing this. You know, he's not great at everything, and he clearly has trouble designing run defenses because clearly the the Chiefs weren't that good stopping the run this year, which is something we'll have to look into the offseason. But um, in terms of pass defenses, he shut down Tom Brady in two of those Super Bowls, or at least one of the Super Bowls. And obviously, he did a pretty pretty bang up job this week. Um, you know, I don't I don't see a lot of Pro Bowls, and you know, I guess Teron Matthews a, a, a fine safety. I, I think I'd I'd take. Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde over him any day of the week. Uh, but he's certainly a, a good enough player. But, you know, Bashad Breland and Traverius Ward and some of these, you know, Sneed, these are these are not big-name guys who Kansas City's, um, you know, trotting out here. And they were all able to make it work um, with this kind of weird, you know, dime alignment that they were in. So credit to him for that. I give my second star. Um, I should probably have given an honorable mention to, to Travis Kelsey, but whatever. He doesn't care. Um <laughs> Second star goes to Tyree Kell. I thought um, Hill's plays and ability to change the game were more damaging and more more of the problem for the Bills than Kelsey. I get Frank's points that Kelsey is kind of a walking 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, um, and that, that certainly can keep an offense on the field. And when you get him in the red zone, he's obviously pretty lethal. But I think if Hill's not – if Hill is taken out of the equation, and I don't know how you do that – Obviously, we have a all-pro cornerback, basically, who was unable to do it. Um, and whether he had a bad night, he was dinged, and we haven't heard about it. Um, he's not, you know, I was I was suggesting on Sunday maybe Trey's a good all-around corner, but he's not he's not quite fast enough to catch up with the fast guys. Not quite big enough to deal with the big receivers. I could see that maybe being an issue, but whatever it is. Hill's ability to stretch the defense, get behind them, make us all worried that we got to be stretched horizontally and vertically all the time, clearly kind of threw the defensive scheme off and it creates room for the other guys. And then obviously he cashes in with the big run after catch, um, all the other stuff that they, that they were doing. Um, so that was um, frustrating, but obviously Hill's a, Hill's a good player and, and credit to him for, for doing that. Um, and then obviously first star goes to Mahomes, 29 and 38, 30, 20, 325, three TDs. Um, you know, the master of the orchestra, the, the maestro, the, um, you know, the lead, lead vocals, you know, whatever you want to do it. You know, obviously he's the, he's the, he's Rick the guy Flair that makes it all happen. The NFL, yeah. Yeah. The Rick he's un, un, unflappable. You know, we, 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 we got him kind of, a, you know, once or twice got in his face, you know, didn't really seem to, to get on him too much, um, which obviously we'll have to work on. But even then, you don't really see him cracking. You just kind of, you know, you, at, at best, you're going to get him on that that down and you're going to have to, again, go go off all, all, all 60 minutes with him and, and drive the stake through his heart to beat him. And obviously, we <laughs> and then take his head off in the next movie. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and we've had to deal with one of those quarterbacks for the last 20 years. I'd rather be dealing with this one in the FC Championship game for the next five years than trying to get out of the division. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how that that battle unfolds. I mean, it, it could be the beginning of something or could be the end of something. We'll never know. I mean, Kansas City is going to have their own roster issues at some point, I assume, uh, have, after having signing Mahomes to the uh, greatest contract in the history of mankind before the salary cap completely collapses this offseason. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that works for them. If only if only we could have drafted Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> no, we should have looked into that. Too, not, enough, have... not enough time in this podcast to get into that <laughs> too, topic. Too soon? Is it too, too soon, soon to make that? Okay. Too soon. Well, good, hopefully... Good February topic. Hopefully if we had drafted February. him and Brady, we would have won like 12 Super Bowls by now, right? I think that that's a very good... You know, it's obviously... 
the Bills are cursed because they didn't <laughs> <laughs> they didn't identify you know Michigan quarterback Tom Brady as the perhaps generation you know obviously a generational football talent possibly the most important player in the NFL ever um, <laughs> this side of Jim Brown and Rock Newtony or um, um, and that you know Mahomes I don't know I, I like you're right let's not do this now I think it's I think it's you know. We don't have to. I, yeah, I and we, we can debate it in the off season because there's there's we've debated before a little bit during the regular season after the was it the Ty Dunn article that came out. So it's definitely worth getting deeper into. But we we got there. Um, well, one person who would disagree with us, obviously, Brandon Bean. Well, maybe Brandon Bean because he wasn't there when um, they took they they passed on uh, they passed on Mahomes. Right. So, but but he did in fact take. Uh, Josh Allen, he wins executive of the year in the NFL. Uh, it's, you know, look, anytime you can get Stefan Diggs on your team, you got to do it. And, you know, clearly I think the league recognize, I think these types of uh, honors are, are hard to quantify exactly, but I think that they clearly recognize Buffalo's great improvement, uh, from the talent position, you know, their talent all blossomed this year and they added more and they, they jumped up three more wins, really five more wins by the time you count the playoffs. And uh, he was rewarded for that. And the work continues for uh, Brandon Bean. And I'm going to just mention that and then talk briefly about the McBean uh, press presses. I talked about this, the McDermott one already. Again, I'm, I'm continually, I'm more and more impressed every time. I understand that he has shortcomings. I think that you know, he does make mistakes, obviously, but I also think that he's a really good coach. And I think that, uh, you know, we've had a lot of coaches that can do a lot of things. And some of them even had some talent on this team. And he's certainly done both more with less and more with more uh, as compared to anybody else. And so I, it always impresses me to hear him talk and, and to start with. Uh, I think it's actually one of the things if you look at my our first comments on him after a season, he didn't say that that it starts with him. Um, and in this press conference, he did. This pre- he's grown in very different ways, and that's a really um, that's a really great thing for him to to do is to start with his own self and what he can manage and what he can't do and what he can do. And so um, good for him. And uh, I hope he wins stuff, too. I didn't get to listen to all of Brandon Bean's press conference. Uh, He definitely talked a little bit about running back. He definitely talked a little bit about some other things and just uh, figuring out his where where he's going to, you know, improve this team. That's obviously the next challenge, particularly with the salary crap. Uh, I think tough decisions might have been used at some point talking about free agents and the shrinking of the cap. Um, Paul, did you? listen to those mm-hmm. did you have any thoughts on those press conferences uh at all i did yep yeah. uh again congrats to brandon first bills executive to win the award of executive of the year since bill polian in 1991 polian also won in 88 so that was a 30-year gap uh ironically the or not ironic not surprising the bills were largely terrible in those 30 years between so shows what a good executive can do and yeah i did listen to brandon's presser i think what i and I like the acknowledgement, as, as Frank alluded to, saying we are not a, a Super Bowl team. And let's face it, as long as Kansas City's there in the way and the Bills are where they are, they are not going to be a Super Bowl team. That does not mean they have not made just phenomenal progress to get where they are. It does not mean that they are not a great team. They certainly are. But I like the willingness to recognize, hey, I've made some great moves. Coach has done a great job. These players have done a great job to get us to be the number two team in our conference. But that is not our goal. Our goal is to be the number one team in the NFL, and we're going to have to make improvements to get there. And he did talk it. Both of them said the running game had to be better, which I think is going to mean not only changes at the running back position, but changes as well at the among the offensive linemen. I think Brian Dable's going to find to have to find more creative ways to work in the run game as well. And that neither of them said we have to run the ball more. They said they need to run the ball better. And so I think there's going to be differences in scheme, differences in you know, offensive linemen, differences in running back, and we'll see what that entails. I think it's going to be an especially challenging year with the salary cap, as, as Frank mentioned, so we won't go into that anymore. The one plus they have is everyone else is dealing with the same damn thing. And the Bills didn't go into this season uh, in a bad cap, into this offseason with a bad cap scenario, and there's a lot of room for savings. 
which we'll get into in our first uh, off-season podcast when I talk about, you know, uh, we talk about who we can cut and so forth to uh, get over the top on that front. I think the other uh, key element to this off-season for the Bills, they have some continuity. They didn't lose any of their coaching staff. Uh, they are young and have the opportunity to develop there. Brandon Bean also talked about tight end being a position to upgrade. That means Dawson Knox should expect some competition. And I think it will be especially challenging for the organization. Uh, and Brandon did. He didn't really acknowledge this as much as I had hoped in his presser. But they do not have any real first round pick to work with here. They're picking 30th overall. So you're not going to get, you know, tr- you're not going to be able to trade down to get Trey White and, and strike gold. You're not going to get Allen and Edmonds. You're not going to get Ed Oliver, who at least was a, a capable player at the, at the very least at this point in his career. You're not going to be able to leverage your first round pick and a bunch of others to get Stephon Diggs. You know, people aren't going to want to make you better now that they know how good you are. You're not going to be able to steal any victories going forward because teams will know what they are getting when they come in to face you. And so I think, you know, uh, they seem to have acknowledgement of that, both uh, McDermott and, and Brandon Bean. And as proud as they are of what they've accomplished and they should be and the players are, I am glad they realize that we, the, the, the bar has been raised now. You know, it's not win more than seven games. It's win the whole damn thing. And so let's see what they can do to get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Paul hit a lot of the, the main points. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Bean deserves a lot of credit for putting the team where it is and taking some risks, obviously with the first round pick that he had last year. And I think, the, I think the important thing is to, is to keep taking risks. Now that doesn't mean you, you, you're kind of, doesn't mean you're, you're, you're doing something reckless or crazy, but you, you have to take risks. You can't just kind of say we're, we're one player away. We're, you know, one tweak, one more defensive line. And that was something McDermott said. And I agreed with in his press conference was the, was the fact that, you know, you can't just say, well, we were only 14 points away in the, in the AFC championship. So we just got to get 15 points better and that's it. And that's definitely not it. Cause the Kansas city is going to go <laughs> off into the off season and try and get better on their end. The dolphins, the Pats, jets, you know, some of those teams will fail in, in trying to get better, but, but <laughs> jets, one of them will jets. excuse me. Um, but you know, all the teams are going to be trying to get better. And so it is, and, and McDermott said that, you know, you have to build a new team every year. And so they, they have to, they, they have to take risks. You can't just assume and, and whether it's clearing a lot of the decks to some of these defensive line guys with high price contracts, getting some young guys in there, whatever it is. I mean, I think, I think he, hopefully they understand that they have to take risks to keep, keep, keep getting better and, and understanding that just because you got far, you know, that bridge between being the great team and the excellent team is, it's not, it's, it's a lot bigger in some ways than the gap between a good team and a great team or an average team and a good team that we've made the, the leaps we've made the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, excellent comments all. And I think that that's the thing that I feel best about is that they have made steps forward each year, um, each time. Well, maybe not the one year that they, they went back to six and 10, but I also think that that was part of the, they, they, they took the step need. They took the step need to clear the cap, which absolutely right. need to be t- Right. Uh, and, and they they definitely learned each year. I, I mean, it was super refreshing for them to say we need to score more points. And then they went out and did what they had to do to score more points. So great. You know, uh, so let's let's see. Uh, Patrick DeMarco retired. Thank you. Yep. Patrick DeMarco. Yeah. Uh, yep. No, not real fond memories. No, I shouldn't say not real fond memories of him. Like I didn't like the guy, but he came in. He did a great job on special teams. I know the younger players liked him. Thanks for helping to to be a captain when the team was was down in the dumps and and helping out. And you know, best of luck to him in his post NFL career. Last of the go. last of the fullbacks, a dying breed. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, and you know who? Are, which which fifty year old? fullback will we get to make the team better this year <laughs> or can we stop doing that now i think we've stopped because they even when they kept reggie gilliam who was a fullback they're like you know we're going to switch you to tight end and we're going to give you a number in the 80s so i think the bills may be done with fullbacks finally unless damon shelton's ready to come back or or maybe jerome felton i don't know what he's doing nowadays you know find one of those guys mm, damon shelton. <laughs> sorry uh okay did we have listener questions 
We had, I think, one or two. I think Stephen might have chimed in with one. And uh, all right. So as I go back through Twitter here, uh, scrolling yeah, quickly, should have done comment on Facebook. Well, who uh, who commented on Facebook? Nobody. I know we got Facebook. Mike. We got Facebook messages, you, you but I'm not going to. Right? Oh yes, that's right. No, that's right. And I said I would read part of that. Let me get that. Sorry. And while Sorry. Frank's doing that. Um, this is an interesting one. We can talk about this at the very end, but Steven says, you know, I want the Bucks to win in the Super Bowl. After two decades of not being able to get past Brady, I'd hate to think of two decades trying to get past somebody better. So if, you know, the concern is if Mahomes beats Brady, uh, maybe that means we've got worse, you know, problems than Brady to deal with. And Brady was a pretty big problem for this franchise. Nah, nah. <laughs> like, like that that's the thing with me and some of like the college teams is like in theory I might be able to root for Michigan to beat like Florida or Florida State or something in a bowl game but then if I'm actually watching the game which I admittedly probably won't be but if I actually have to watch the game I can't actually physically root for the the blue and the yellow on the helmets and if I see Brady out there I'm not going to be like go Tom like I can't it's not going to happen yeah we'll have to talk about that in our 30-second Super Bowl preview. Uh, yes, Michael Mullen uh, sent a very long message to us, which was nice. Thank you, Mike. You should feel free to post that right on the Facebook page, too, if you're if you're up for it and get the conversation going. Also, you know, Facebook is a cesspool. So, you know, there you go. That's another way to think about <laughs> Facebook. Uh, it's a been, very long— Frank's been removed from Facebook and will face their Supreme Court. Yeah, precisely. Uh, as soon as I'm done uh, buying my GameStop— Oh, Fuck. damn, you beat me to it. Right before TDIVH, I was going to be like, all right, well, I'll uh, make this quick so I can uh, run over to GameStop and then st- uh, before I head to the MC to see a movie. Very good. Uh, it, the TLDR is it looked like to me more like the Jimmys and Joes rather than the X's and O's. So Michael's shouting you out there, Scott. Um, I'll, in his last pair. His last paragraph, my hope is that the shortcomings of the Bills in this game were largely the championship getting to some folks' heads, which can cascade through the whole team. We deserve to be there, and I see no reason why Casey shouldn't be on the lookout next year. Go Bills. I think that's fair. I think that that is 100% right. I think that, you know, there's no reason to think that Buffalo can't get better enough to, to, to compete with them. And, you know, Kansas City also has to, like, maintain how good they are, too. It's not just about Buffalo getting better. It's like, you know— Kansas City did a remarkable thing that most people can't do, which is to repeat as AFC champions. And, um, you know, let's see how many times they can do it. And Buffalo will be be ready there when they can be. So uh, thanks for that, Michael. Should we let's go right to this day in Bill's yep. uh, headlines. headlines then. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks to everyone. Uh, you know, I was going to mention everyone who participated on Twitter this year. There are too many of you. And that's a good sign. And we thank you for. Uh, you know, allowing this to to grow. So we'll do this day in Bill's headlines. We're going to pretend, even though it's officially January 28th, uh, that it's January 27th, just because I prepared this as if we were going to go up on Wednesday. And of course, that would have been the 30th anniversary of Wide Right, which, you know, we're not going to talk about other than it happened. So, all right, we're going to go back to 2019. Is Blank ready to take over as the starting tight end? I think tight ends coach Rob Boris has done a really good job with him. And so his blank offensive coordinator, Brian Dable said before last month's finale, you know, he's put in, he's put the time in again. You're talking about a guy who played at the university of Tennessee was really a receiver. Didn't play last year. So almost, almost like your rookie came coming in. He made great strides each and every week. Um, so he was undrafted from the university of Tennessee. And after Dable said this high praise of him, he never played for the bills again. Uh, he's, he's caught one pass. He caught one pass this year and it was a three yard TD from Carson Wentz, which I saw on TV and I'm like, Oh, that's where that guy is now. So Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will note he was on the bills roster in 2019 for the 2019 season, but I believe he spent the whole year on injured reserve. You're going to say it and I'll remember it. And it's not Derek fine, but I'm going to say Derek. Fine. <laughs> Not uh, Derek. Not one of the flying Derricks, yeah. No. Um, no, I, I, I got I got nothing. All right, last hint, the guy who dated a Pagula for a couple of years. No? No. Nope. All right, Jason Kroom. Jason Kroom. Jason Kroom. There right. we go. Yep. All right, we'll get better. 2018, forced retirement of blank leaves hole on the field and in community. 
Blank was truly one of the good guys yeah. in the community on the field of generating diplomatic resource for the media. Uh, his blank fund raised more than 57,000 for Oshai Children's Hospital. It'd be Eric Wood. Eric Wood, it would be. All right. 2017. Buffalo Bills offensive tackle Blank has surgery after falling at his home. The injury adds another question mark to an offensive line is already dealing with uncertainty. Starting right tackle Jordan Mills is set to become a free agent after an underwhelming season. Backup right tackle Chantrell Henderson will need to finish his suspension to start the season. Is still figuring out how to play through Crohn's disease. This is the latest setback and what has been a disappointing for Blank since he joined the Bills as a second round draft pick from Alabama in 2014. Oh, Cyrus Quanjo. Cyrus Quanjo. Yeah. I was going to say Chantrell, but yeah, Cyrus. Yeah. Cyrus it is. All right, 2016. Whaley gives good news on blank. He'll be back. The safety, who suffered a scary neck injury last year against the New England Patriots in week two, returned to Tennessee and then was shelved for the season. He will be back, General Manager Doug Whaley said Tuesday. That's as great of a free agent-like signing the Bills will make all offseason. And this is where the narrator would jump and say, oh, he would not be back and he would never play in the NFL again. This is Aaron Williams, right? Aaron Williams. Good job. All right. Yeah. We'll keep rolling on. 2015, Bill's running back blank played the 2014 season on a partially torn meniscus. Blank later tweeted that he expects to come back stronger from the surgery. He better hope so, given the current state of the Bills' backfield, with Fred Jackson entering the final season of his contract and getting up there in age, and C.J. Spiller set to hit free agency. The Bills could be relying on the depth of Bryce Brown and blank. So I've named them all, except the player this actually is. It's not LaShawn. Not LaShawn. In fact, it says Buffalo will likely add another running back through free agency or the draft but it ended up being through trade and they fixed the running back problem up until they really needed to in 2020 when they were an AFC title contender. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, so it's kind of like, he was like a backup in that transitional period from Spiller to. McCoy. Right. Uh, yeah. I'll rule out some names that are going to jump to your head. Mike Gillisley is not the answer. Mm-hmm. Carlos Williams is not the answer. Jonathan Williams is not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. But, so I think those, I've cleared the those, deck. Those three of them. It's one guy. Um, funny name. Funny nickname, anyway. Booby. Booby Dixon. Dixon. There Dixon. we go. There we go. Well done, Thank Frank. You. <laughs> All right. 2011. Blank to scale Mount Kilimanjaro for charity. You always hear people referring to players as warriors and heroes, Blank said by phone from his home in North Carolina. But come on. We're entertainers. It's always bothered me when people refer to us football players as warriors. People who risk their lives in combat are the real heroes, the real warriors. So we're going to give you a time frame for when this guy played because it was not too, this was not a current bill in 2011. This was a six-time Pro Bowler, uh, 75 through 1980, an eight-time All-Pro. Uh, he was on the NFL 1970s All-Decade team. He's on the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame, also was in the Cleveland Browns Ring of Honor, where he spent the last five years of his career, and he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2003. The Bills Browns Hall of Fame? Yeah, and uh, and the NFL Hall of Fame. Played with the Bills from 73 to 79 and finished his career there in 85. Also one of the, sadly, one of the first living NFL players to be tested and diagnosed with uh, CTE. Uh, though, as far as I know, he's, he's doing okay. Did you say the position? I forget. Uh, tackle. And I might not have, which would have been a huge deal. Yes, this was an offensive tackle. This was a guy who blocked like crazy for OJ. Uh, was it Joe DeLamelier? Joe DeLamelier. All right. Frank. Yeah, I didn't know if he played for Cleveland. Yep, but if I he's a Hall of Famer, I only yeah. had a couple of, you know. Only, you know, so many, but okay, yeah, cool. I, d- I didn't either. I guess he played with Clinton from 80 to 84 and was good enough there that they could put him in their ring of honor too. All nice. right. 2006. Blank awaits NFL Europe draft. This is a headline from the Sioux City Journal. It says, Blank has never followed NFL Europe. Still, the former Sioux City bandit knows the league, given NFL teams chances to evaluate players while watching them perform in games. He's aware of players like quarterback Kurt Warner, who tuned up for their future NFL careers by entertaining fans on the other side of the world. Today, Blank is part of the NFL Europe allocated player draft, signed to a contract last week by the NFL's Buffalo Bills. 
He will report to Orlando, Florida for NFL Europe training camp on February 6th. So I I didn't mention the Sioux City Journal by accident or the fact that this is in Iowa by accident, considering this is a person who went to a small school. Co-college? Yep. Go to Co-college? Yeah, go to Co-college. So it, it is, in fact, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yep. And, and, and Frank's <laughs> wrong. It's actually Willis McGahee. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's Ryan um, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> it's Sean Williams. Yeah. 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 All right. Fred so Jackson. Thank so, you. Jackson. Yep. So now we have the, the big gap. 1994. Uh, this is an entertainment one. It's an easy one, but it's funny. So I had to include it. Bottoms up to Bills fans who left blank all wet. This is from the Northwest Indiana Times. All right, you know who you are. You, the guy with the frozen beard seen in the end zone stands in Orchard Park, New York last Sunday when the Bills put the Chiefs out of their misery. Oh, that's a great sentence. Uh, And you, the guy next to him who had a bit too much Genesee or whatever beer you people in Buffalo drink. For you and all your buddies who dumped beer on blank during the coach's postgame interview, I have two words for you. Well done. Was this Mike Ditka? This was Mike Ditka. That's why I were, yes, yeah, right, because yep. we threw the snowballs at him. Yep, and this was that's not this was not even the snowball. So this was them throwing beer at him. Yeah. It said well, and I watched this highlight on YouTube right after I read this. It said while being pelted with paper cups by drunk fans and being asked about the game, he said, "I think the Buffalo Bills deserve a lot of credit for making four straight Super Bowls, and I think these people here throwing stuff at us don't deserve any credit at all. It's a disgrace. It's my fan that they're trying and hurt somebody, and it's wrong." All right. 1993, Bills involved in shouting, shoving match. Uh, <laughs> retired basketball star Irvin Magic Johnson, his bodyguard, and Buffalo Bills stars Jim Kelly and Blank engaged in a Sunday evening shouting and shoving match at Los Angeles nightclub that resulted in the bodyguard punching Blank in the face, according to witnesses who saw what might be described as the first unofficial contract drills of Super Bowl 27. Most time there's a little fight in the bar, a huge fight ends up breaking out, said one Dallas Cowboys player who is a patron at the Roxbury and L.A. night spot. Luckily, this one got stopped right away. So there's a lot to unravel here. You have Magic Johnson and you have, and this is me now, not the headline. You have I, Magic thought, I know this story and I can't think of who yeah, the other person is. Yeah, I remember the story too, but I forget. I also like that this is the Roxbury where they made a night at the Roxbury. Yeah, the Roxbury. And I like the fact that the Dallas Cowboys player was smart enough not to identify himself because it's three days before the Super Bowl. <laughs> They're all out at the Roxbury. The Cowboys were like, I'm not going to give my name. Yeah, I didn't get punched, so you don't need to know <laughs> my name. <laughs> says Emmett Smith. No, it was, it, was, uh, it was a. <laughs> no, it would have been uh, Leon Led. It probably was Leon Led. Yeah. Right, it was probably Leon. Uh, it was, uh, besides Jim, it was a defensive player that he was at the uh, bar with, defensive star. So read off a few names. You'll hit it soon. Defensive star. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, Scott said Bruce Smith. I'll, I'll say it was Cornelius Bennett. Nope. Keep going. Daryl Talley. Daryl Talley. There you go. Okay. I knew it would be in the first three. All right. This is, uh, this is how we're closing out the season, guys. 1992, Washington steals the show 37-24. It's from a post article in this one. This is a tougher one, but it's, it's doable. Uh, do Mark Rippon was named MVP after withstanding a fierce pass rushing, completing 18 of 33 passes for 290 yards and two touchdowns, and was the biggest reason Washington rolled up 417 yards in offense and stayed on the field. All right, the defense did the rest. Turnover set up Washington's 17 of Washington's points. Three safety Brad Edwards intercepted two passes, and cornerback Daryl Green and middle linebacker Kurt Gavale won a piece. Washington sacked Jim Kelly five times and knocked down five of his record 58 passes. They also knocked Kelly out for a play in the fourth quarter, thanks to a hit by cornerback blank. So this is a Washington cornerback. He was drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the 10th round of the 88 NFL draft out of FSU. He was injured during his rookie year and didn't make a game appearance. He left in free agency in 89 to sign with Washington where he played and started for them during the next four seasons, including Super Bowl 26. Uh, but it's his post-career that's interesting. So see if you guys have been paying attention to recent news besides GameStop and AMC. He went to Georgetown Law School, which is literally three blocks from my apartment, and he eventually became senior vice president and GM of the Detroit Lions for eight seasons and drafted Matthew Stafford. He bounced around between a few teams. And on January 22nd of 2021, was named GM of the Washington football team. Matt Millen was there forever. Was he a 
That is a great guess because he was also he played with Washington. He was a GM of the Lions, but not him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will give. I'm like I, I'm like Champ Bailey, Fred Smoot. I'm like Bakari yeah, Rambo. I'm like I can't. Late 90s, early 2000s, Washington yeah. cornerback there. So I'll give this. I'll give the the final hint. Uh, he shares a first name with a prolific director, especially of Robert De Niro movies. And his last name is a combination of the month during which you both had your bachelor parties in the first name of the actor who played the most famous X-Man. Francis May um, Jean-Luc Picard. You've got, you've got <laughs> half of the last name, which is, of course, Jean-Luc Picard now. Francis May Xavier. I uh, think. Oh, Stewart. Uh, the not, most famous X-Men. Okay, so not him. And not not Francis him. either. Think of someone else who's directed just a buttload of De Niro movies. Most recently, yeah. The Irishman. Martin. Martin. No. Uh, yes, Martin. 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 May. Yes. So, okay. so we have the first name Martin, and then first half Martin, last name is May. Martin Maycock. Martin May. There was no Mike X-Men Keller. named Cock, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, who... Uh, it's yeah. Who played Wolverine was Hugh Jackman. Yes, yes. Marvin May Jackman. <laughs> Martin May Jack. Martin Mayhew. It's Martin Mayhew. I have Thank never you. been so disrespected on behalf of Martin Mayhew in my life as I am at this very moment. Uh, <laughs> now listen, if you that. wanted me to list a bunch of X Men, I could do that. <laughs> That was <laughs> this was how this day in Bill's headlines was meant to end for this season, and I I couldn't be prouder. Isn't that uh, great? We, it's it's just like the Bill's season. We got all the way to the end, and then yep. just like kind of lost Complete it. Complete travesty. Yep. Stumbled out of the gates, then we're perfect the rest of the way, and then just at the end was wow. That was me throwing into like quadruple coverage right then, going, no, I gotta get it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was January twenty seventh in Bill's headlines, gentlemen. Marvin, uh, Martin Mayhew's over there going, I'm open. I'm cold. <laughs> Scenario, you know. Maybe, maybe I was just I was thinking about this today. Maybe if you're Josh Allen, you like you you don't want to throw to Cole Beasley because you're afraid you're about to watch his leg explode. And you're yes. like, yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, um, look, Super Bowl Fifty Five. If there's a if there's a Super Bowl I've ever wanted to watch less, I I don't know. <laughs> But, I don't know, Steelers, Steelers Cowboys in the uh, mid-90s was the one I was, like, most mad about. Giants-Ravens in Last year wasn't great either. It was it was Brady versus, um, or two years ago, Brady versus the Rams. But I would have been rooting yeah. for the Rams, at least. Yep. And now I'm rooting for Brady or Kansas City, who, up until this week, I didn't really have a problem with. I, I do think that they were a little, like, Buffalo, look. Oh, both teams were chippy as shit. They were yeah. chippy. Both ways in that game. Yeah, but, like, I'm going to obviously, you know, support my quarterback throwing a football in your face because, yeah. get over it. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on this game? I, I, I will insert, I will undoubtedly watch part of it, but, like, I have no juice for it. I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for the season to be over. I'll watch it from a scouting perspective. I'll just, you know, try and see how the game goes. It'll be interesting to the storyline of Brady Mahomes is a pretty interesting storyline. But yeah, it's going to be tough from the rooting interest perspective. Because if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd be like, well, if the Bills don't make it and Brady's in there, I'm obviously going to be rooting for Kansas City. But now I feel like I once said on Twitter, I want uh, Buffalo, Kansas City to be to the 2020s what the Patriots and Colts were to the 2000s. And mm-hmm. so now I'm I'm steadily, you know, cultivating a, a healthy dislike of Kansas City. So should be an entertaining game, but it's, yeah, it's going to be tough to root for anyone. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably stay up to watch maybe like the first quarter just for the sake of America and commercials and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, after that, yeah, and so I'm like not even going to really care who wins. I guess if I had to think about it, I would root for Tampa Bay after Tom Brady gets eaten by an alligator at some point in the next week and a half. So. Yeah, that's that could be good. That's the a, second leading cause of death in Tampa, I believe, too. It is. So. The first is being a Floridian. Um, I thought it was going to be uh, getting crushed by a, a stripper at a strip club. but That know. could be that, too, yeah. Sorry for party rocking. I have a friend who is a Patriots fan who moved to Tampa a few years ago with her husband because he's from Florida. 
And so she's now happily like rooting for Tom Brady, who's, you know, in her hometown. And I'm just I she's a good friend. And part of me wants her to be happy. But part of Lee's also like she's had tons and tons of happiness in, with regards to football. So, you know, <laughs> I, I bit my my friend Vin, you both know, he had said it's weird because he feels like it's the child you give up for adoption and you're just hoping for the best for them. And so he's found himself rooting for, for Tampa. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. If you know who I should root for or whatever, uh, or if you have thoughts on the, the final game of the season, uh, MNY bills on Twitter or B bills, MNY on Facebook. That's how you get a hold of us. Um, look, we started late. We are going to take a break. Okay. We're not going to come back and recap the Super Bowl. We're going to wait for some bills news. We're going to, you know, it could be a month before we do this again. It was a long season. You got a lot of extra episodes. I don't want to hear any complaining out of any. And we went long as hell every episode, pretty much. We did. This This is our first normal length episode. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's that's okay. This is what we do. If you're new to the show, this is what we do. We we slow down in the offseason, but we continue to do things. We'll have draft previews and we'll we'll pretend like we know something about the combine and, you know. (laughs) Spring will come around and Scott will start dusting off the old wacky schedule and, you know, life will continue. And and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a much more, you know, we'll talk about I think I will have time to reflect on like what a covid season was and and then who the three stars of the season were and and all that. So, you know, stay tuned, stay subscribed, get your friends on board. Um, It has been a very good season. This is obviously not obviously, I'm, I'm saying it sincerely. This has been a great season, and I'm really happy I got to share it with you guys uh, in this manner uh, at all. I would have been, you know, obviously it would better if we were all able to hang out more, but I, it was definitely a, a, a personal um, good thing for me in a, in a tough year to have the bills and to have you guys. So thank you, and thanks to the listeners. Um, until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. My name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.